this morning. Give him a hand clap of praise. Oh my. Brother Aaron, in the time and age that we're living in, I need to know he's near me more now than ever. Amen. All the turmoil going on in the world. It's such a wonderful feeling to know that I've got an absolute and that I've got someone I can lean on. And there's nothing in this world could turn me around. Brother Parks, there's nothing out here now that could make me want to take anything for this journey. I've come too far to turn back now. How many's come too far this morning? How many's glad to be in church? Did you come to have a good time? You know, it's been rainy and dreary all week, and I got up this morning at uh, 7 o'clock, and I saw that amber glow through my bedroom window. I just opened my eyes, and there it was, and I said, Thank you, Lord, for the sunshine. We're going to have a good time today. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Well, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Gotta make it to heaven somehow. Though the devil tempts me and he tries to turn me around. He has offered everything that's got a name. All the wealth I want and worldly fame. 
and this is my favorite one. All saints will sing redemption story with their voices clear and strong. When the redeemed are gathering, oh, think about this, saints. Then the angels all will listen, for they cannot join that song. When the redeemed are gathering in, oh, when the redeemed are gathering in. glad I can sing it like this. Thank God I am free. Free. How many's free this morning? From this. If you're not free, you can be before you leave from here today. Oh, I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. I've been born again. Hallelujah. I'm saved, saved, saved by His wonderful grace. change the order of the service i'd just like to sing this little chorus i stand in awe of you as i as i saw that beautiful sunshine coming up this morning i just thought lord why did you love me so much i'm so unworthy of anything that you have to offer you know there was 
millions of people that, that got up today to, to go to church. And it's just a routine. But we're a little different. But why is that? It's just simply because of God's grace. That He chose us to have a little deeper look. It goes far beyond God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But He called us out. I stand in awe of that this morning, saints. When I look at all the greatness and the wonders and all the wonderful fine people, I stand in awe that He looked at me. As I heard Brother Donnie say one time, you take all the the elements that your body is made of and and it's like $2.49. He chose me a $2.49 piece of dirt to be one of His chosen people. Brother Sammy, I stand in awe of that this morning. Let's just sing this little chorus before we go to the Lord in prayer. You are beautiful beyond description to marvelous for South Carolina this morning. Uh, we want to remember, uh, continue to remember Sister Smith. Uh, she is uh, improving, but still needs our, our prayers. And remember Brother Richard. Also, we want to remember uh, Sister Karen Buchanan, who's still having a lot of trouble with her legs and is just unable to, to get around. And also want to remember my sister Amber. Uh, 
she had had a fall last week and had hurt her back, but she's uh, been battling uh, some uh, plantar fasciitis in her feet. She's uh, kind of bound to the chair and can't get around. She's in a lot of pain this morning. Just ask for you to remember her. We also want to uh, pray for uh, Brother Johnny and Sister Doris. Both are not feeling well. I want to continue to remember uh, Brother uh, John Harwell, who's uh, not with us this morning, is sick. Please pray uh, for uh, Brother Mark's sister-in-law. She's having some kidney complications, so we want to remember that. Um, I'd like for you to remember a, a family friend of mine from where we used to live. A guy, a gentleman used to work for me, and uh, he had a stroke about three weeks ago, and uh, he ended up passing away uh, later on this week. So just remember that family as he was, uh, he was really close to the family, and they're just really, really grieving and taking it hard. So just remember that family. Also have a special uh, unspoken request that I would like for you all to remember for me as well. Amen. I know there's many needs among us. We're a needy people. It seems like as we're getting down to the end, those needs seem to get, get greater and stronger. But we have someone that we can call on. Amen. Brother David, if you'll lead us to the Lord in prayer this morning. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we just come humbly before you, dear Lord, asking for forgiveness for our shortcomings and our failures, dear Lord. These needs to you, O oh God. Those that are sick and afflicted in their bodies, dear Lord, in their spirits, we just ask you to stop by and minister to each need, O oh God. The ones that are grieving for a lost loved one, we just ask you to send the comforter to them, dear Lord, even today. We just are so appreciative, dear Lord, of this place and this time that we just give it to you, O oh God for you to be magnified in our lives. Just ask you to anoint our ears today, dear Lord. Give us eye salves to see what we need to see, oh God. We just give this day entirely into your hands. May you be glorified in our worship, oh God. We ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother David. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. I'm going to ask Mitchell and Ashley to come up this morning. Um, to uh, do a do a song with me uh, as they're coming I just want to make a couple of announcements here we have um, some visitors with us today and forgive me if I get this name wrong but uh, this is uh, Mike and Lydia Para from Arizona did I get that right where, where might you be God bless you we're, we're glad to have you and I hope I got that name right sometimes from the south it just don't always come out the way that it should <laughs> Most people know what we mean, but they say, as long as you say, bless your heart after it, we're okay. So bless your heart. We're glad you're here with us today. Um, I have a card here from uh, Mitchell and Megan that says, to our HBT family, we want to thank you all for your generosity and kindness you have shown to us during this time in our lives. We are truly blessed to have each of you in our lives. We wanted to say thank you, and we hope the Lord blesses each one of you, Mitchell and Megan, and we're certainly glad to have them with us, have Megan with us here. It's, uh, she's already been a real blessing to, to our family, and uh, we're just glad to have them. And uh, we're going to do this little song for you here.
actually been asked to do this song here a while back just with our schedules and with my lead singer and baritone getting married singing with the family isn't uh, the top priority anymore so I have to snag him whenever I can <clears throat> this was brother Larry Pruitt's favorite song and I just really had him on my mind this week too and I'd just like to sing this for for our precious brother Let's all stand, saints, and we'll 
go on into the service. We'll have our ushers come at this time, um, and we'll receive the uh, morning tithe. Oh, Sister Becky, you was playing a song this morning when we first started. I think it was that uh, healing is here. Amen. <clears throat> Brother Jeff, if you would bless the offering for us. Amen. We're going to sing this song as Brother Barry comes this morning. and The words to this song are so true. Everything that you need is going to be contained and what the Lord speaks through him this morning. So if you need healing, whether it's physical or spiritual or financial or whatever it may be, just open up your hearts this morning, saints, and receive. Amen. Healing is healing. Jesus is 
have your way in the key of F. Have your way. sacrifice holy and acceptable to you and that's my reasonable service and Lord as we make this step to you Lord make this step towards us and just come and deposit something in my heart today will you do that hey listen it, this 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 part depends on you okay it, it's it, it's you just reserving your mind your heart dismissing all the busyness and all the frustrations of this past week dismissing it saying, Lord, I'm just going to let this go. And for this morning, we're just going to open our hearts to him and uh, just let him speak to us this morning. Give him that freedom to do that today. Give him that, uh, give him that open place that you can speak, uh, that he can speak to you today. Do it. Sing it again now one more time. Have your way. Close your eyes this morning. Just sing it now as worship to him. Have your way. Have your way, Lord Jesus. Jesus, we bow our hearts in your presence this morning, Lord, 
And we just sense your presence very real among us today. And in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we come humbly to your throne of grace and mercy. Bring all of these petitions and all these requests, Lord, before you. We present our living, our bodies, Lord, as living sacrifices before you today. And Lord, not dead sacrifices, but living ones, Lord, that, Father, you can just come and consume us. And Lord, you can, you can change our lives and you can touch our hearts today, Lord. You can impress things upon our minds, oh God. You can change us into what you want us to be. And Lord Jesus, we receive that today. We open our hearts to that today. Come, Lord, I pray. Blanket this place with your presence, Lord. Forgive us of anything that may hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit. We break every doubt. We, we bind every doubt. We bind every care. We bind every sickness, Lord. We bind every hesitation in the hearts of your people today. And Lord, you said that what we bind on earth would be bound in heaven. And we bind anything that would hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit here today. Lord Jesus, just come, I pray, and move freely among us and have free course that, Lord, you can fill our waiting cups, our empty cups today. Lord Jesus, we look to you, we trust you, we believe you, Lord, and we thank you for this great message you've sent in the last day. Father, we pray now especially that you administer to those who are sick. We think especially your brother... Uh, Johnny Reynolds today, Lord, and Brother John Harwell, we commit them into your hands and ask that you be gracious and merciful to them. Lord Jesus, take complete control now, we pray. We give you this time. In Jesus' lovely name we pray. Amen and amen. Now while you're standing, I want to sing one more little chorus here, Fill My Cup, Lord. Let's sing that together. And uh, I want you to make that your prayer this morning. Because <clears throat> I believe that God will do that. I believe he has lots to say. Lots to say. Fill my cup,
ask you to take your Bible, if you will, this morning before you take your seats, and uh, let's read a scripture over in the book of Deuteronomy, if you don't mind. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We welcome all of you to the house of the Lord today. It's certainly uh, an honor to be with you today, and God bless you, all of our guests and visitors and friends. Good to have you here today. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we'll begin reading at verse 1. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whether you go to possess it, and that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all of his statutes and commandments which I command thee, and thy son, and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that they may increase, that ye might increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Kind of a key to life. You want to live long upon the earth? This is what you got to do. Here are the commandments that I'm giving you, and you teach them to your sons, teach them to your grandsons, all the way down. And then in verse 4, now this is something that the children of Israel would recite every day. This was not just something they read in church. They read this or recited this every single day. And they would say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word, and you may be seated this morning. Now let me just uh, say at the beginning here, First of all, I appreciate you being here, appreciate you being at your post of duty today, and uh, I found an interesting statement that Brother Branham uh, said in the very end of his ministry in uh, 1965 in the message called Thinking Man's Filter, and he said, uh, I, I truly believe that the things that we're preaching are the truth. He said, not because I'm preaching it, he said, God knows my heart. But he said, I'd like to set out, I would like to set out in the congregation and listen to the anointed preach. So Brother Branham knew that the message that, uh, that you know, we're believing and, and the things that are being brought forth are truth. Who preaches them is not really that important. What is being preached is important. And, and, and that's, a, uh, that's quite an interesting way of him for saying that. And he says... Uh, I, I'd like to be out in the congregation. He said, how much easier it would be on me, certainly, because I'd have eternal life the same as the man in the pulpit. I'm part of it the same as he is, and I'd go to the same heaven, have the same privileges, and how easy it would be for me to sit there and not have to take all these bruises and knocks and so forth, how easy it would be for me uh, he said, for uh, all night with no sleep and an hour and a half, maybe two hours and wrestling uh, with, with things that come up. And he said, how easy for me to do that, to take my gun and my fishing rod and go fishing or hunting, how easy it would be. But he said, brother, he said, it falls my lot and may God help me to never shun my post of duty, but to stand loyal and true and produce to you a thinking man's filter that will give you a holy man's taste. I appreciate that statement because that's really true. Uh, you know, your labor and, and uh, it's, it's, not, it's not, like I said on Wednesday night, it's not a job. Uh, it's a calling. 
And when you have a calling, uh, you know, you're entirely dependent upon the Lord's leading. And so uh, we're very thankful for that. But, uh, you know, it certainly would be a lot easier for me to uh, just come into church and sit down and, and uh, enjoy the, uh, the ministry of the Word. But uh, it falls my lot. And I appreciate you being here with me and uh, appreciate uh, your participation in all of that. I just want to mention a couple of things here before we begin, and uh, I forgot to mention to Brother Keith about the McCafferty's. They're away in Canada uh, on their vacation, and so we certainly uh, miss the McCafferty's. Uh, they have family up there and are traveling uh, for their July 1st, which will be next Sunday. Uh, we're not going to have two services. We'll have one. And then on July 23rd, when Brother Stacy Goodbread is here, uh, we will have two services on that particular Sunday, January, July 23rd. And maybe we could have a little snack at the end of that one like we, uh, like we normally uh, had or we used to have. Uh, we want to remember Brother Johnny Reynolds. I, I assume that Brother Johnny and Sister Doris are not here. They're not here this morning. Brother Johnny's had a rough week with his uh, feeling uh, badly with his heart and uh, trying to get in to see his specialist. Uh, he may have to go to ER. We're just uh, going to be praying that uh, God will undertake for Brother Johnny. And um, uh, the Reynolds, if you, if you know, and the Reynolds are not the type of people who to blow their own trumpet, but they don't sit still. Uh, they're, they're at work. They're, uh, I, I get a letter from Brother Smith, and he tells me, he said, what a blessing. He said the Reynolds came down today and visited, and I know they're moving around and doing things, and uh, we, we really do appreciate that. Uh, but Brother Johnny's had a rough week, so if you don't mind remembering him in prayer. Also as well, Brother John Harwell had a, a negative reaction to a shot uh, last night he took. Uh, he's got something that's going on. They're not really sure what it is. They gave him an antibiotic, maybe a scratch or a spider bite, something like that. They're not really sure. Uh, but Brother John is not here today, as you can see. And uh, we want to remember our Brother John in prayer. He told me, I, I was chatting with him this morning, and he told me he just was not really feeling good. And uh, so that's unlike Brother John, and uh, we want to remember him in prayer. Brother Donnie Reagan uh, sent out a request last night also for his daughter Erica. She was uh, basically too weak to stand up on her own, and has uh, just really been going through it with treatments and different things. Uh, for the cancer that she's had, and so he asked us to remember her in prayer, and I told him uh, we surely would, surely would be praying for her. June 25th is Kylie James's birthday. Where's Kylie? How old are you, Kylie? 11 years old. God bless you. Uh, good to have you with us. June 28th is Ava Brown's birthday. Sister Ava, how old are you going to be on your birthday? Seven years old. Ava, happy birthday on June 28th. June 29th is Brother Caleb Hummover's uh, uh, birthday out in Texas. And uh, June 30th is Heidi Ashdown's birthday. Sister Heidi, how old are you going to be on your birthday? Really? Wonderful. God bless you. Appreciate you being here. July 1st is Arne Cross's uh, birthday. The Crosses are not here, right? Brother Matt's ministering in South Carolina. And uh, also the Britain's anniversary, right? How many years? 23 years. Wonderful. God bless you. Brother Sam, you, you, you didn't know or are you just wanting to prefer your wife or uh, maybe we'll talk about that later. All right. 
We appreciate the Britons, and uh, may God bless you richly. These are some of the events that we have upcoming here, and I want you just to keep those in mind, and uh, we look forward to God doing good things. Now, I want to I want to jump in this morning because there's a lot of things here that I want to share with you and we'll just see how far we get. I mentioned this, I believe, last Sunday, uh, <clears throat> Brother, Brother Branham says, in God's provided way. He said, so we get to playing music and he said, uh, and this was Elijah the prophet and how he had a negative interaction with uh, one of the kings and he said, hey, if you weren't a friend of uh, Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even have the, give you the time of day. And uh, in that interaction, his spirit was grieved. And he said, if you can't be that prophet, he said, you can be one of the instruments that plays the music to bring the spirit down on the prophet. And they begin to play drums and play the instruments. And the prophet began to get in the spirit. And when he got in the spirit, he said, things begin to happen. And that's, that's what's the matter. He said, uh, we, we can't get anywhere today because we don't get in the spirit of it. I will say this this morning, and i just speaking from my heart. Uh, the days we live in have lots and lots of pressure uh, associated with them. Uh, there's lots of things packed into every day. All of it is not bad, but there are some things that are out there that are weighty, and they weigh on your spirit. They drag you down uh, a little bit. They encumber your mind. Can you, can you relate to that? And sometimes there are things that are happening, and you don't even know what the consequences of those things are. Uh, you know, it's been quite a week. We've had a lot of things that have happened this week and all of the, uh, all the di- different affairs in the world. And I'll, I'll speak a little bit about Russia uh, in just a few minutes here. But uh, there, those things, whether you realize it or not, and I think we're, we're so bombarded and we're so uh, caught up and we so move at a pace in this last hour, we don't even realize how much of an effect that all has on us and our mind and our spirit. And that's why I think it's really good for us when the church doors open to come together and to uh, enter into a different atmosphere. And, and you, in order to enter into that atmosphere fully, you have to let go of something in order to get into something else. Isn't that right? And Satan is doing everything he possibly can to distract you from uh, being in the right atmosphere and getting in the right atmosphere and worshiping in the right atmosphere. Because when you get in that atmosphere and uh, that atmosphere is created around you, the Holy Spirit's free to move and to reveal things to you and deposit things into your mind and into your heart. And God wants to do that. Do you agree? But very often we can, get, uh, we can get just bogged down, we can get burdened, and we can get encumbered with uh, the cares of life and all the different things that go on. I think, I think it's an important thing for us. This is not just a trivial statement here. Uh, the, the prophet even, because of his interactions with people around him, uh, needed to have that influence of good music and people playing instruments and people around him. And, and when he got in the spirit, then things begin to happen. So just because he's a prophet, things didn't automatically happen. And just because we know that we're members of the bride, just because we have eternal life, doesn't mean everything's just going to automatically happen, right? There's, a, uh, there's, there's things that are going to happen in your life, sure, but I, I will tell you this, when we come together with this many believers and this much eternal life uh, gathered together in one room, uh, I, uh, we should not underestimate God's ability to do great things among us. We should not. We, we don't have to be in a big meeting in order for God to do something. 
You don't have to be in some sort of in the presence of some great preacher in order for God to do something. You just got to be in the right place in, in God's order and doing things God's way and, and, and let go of the things of this uh, week and, and just get in the spirit and uh, watch what God will do. And God, does, God doesn't need to have great things to do great things among us. And so I, I, I'm looking at some of you here, and you're, uh, you're here, and you're looking at me, but some of you, are your, I, I, can, I can tell, your minds are just kind of going this way and this way and wandering this way. I know that because I experience the same thing. And, and as I read to you this morning, Brother Branham said you wrestle with lots of things before you come here. I wrestle with lots of things in the last 48 hours before coming here. And uh, it, it, it is, uh, when I, before I came out this morning, I knelt down in my office there, and I just said, Lord... Uh, I, I know this is where I'm supposed to be today. I know absolutely this is where I'm supposed to be, but I'm, I'm leaning upon you. I'm, I'm asking for your help, and I'm asking for your, uh, for your touch, not only for me, but for the people, because you're half of the gift today. And, and in order for us to really let the Holy Spirit operate, we gotta, we got to get in that spirit, and we got to let go of the busyness and the frustrations of this week. And he says you got to get in the spirit and to begin clapping and having a good time. And the Spirit of God began to fall on the prophet. And as the Spirit got on the prophet, then he began to see things, and you'll go to seeing things when you get in the spirit. You'll go to seeing things. You'll go to hearing things that you never heard. You'll go to experiencing things when, uh, when you get in the Spirit and, and watching what God does. Matter of fact, take your Bible. This is not in my notes here. It's a bo purely a bonus. So just look in John chapter 3. And I, I never even looked this up in my new Bible here. So it's, it's going to be really fresh. John chapter 3. And this is the time when Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And it says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, well, I'm in John chapter 3, verse 2. We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for, thou, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Nicodemus makes a connection between the teaching of the truth and miracles. And when you teach truth, and when you present truth, you're creating an avenue for miracles to come your way. They go together. They go together. And, and, and Nicodemus recognizes this. He doesn't really fully understand all of what Jesus says and all of what Jesus is about to say. Right? Because he talks about, uh, you know, the, the new birth and Nicodemus is trying to figure that out. How can a man go back in his mother's womb and so forth? And he's trying to understand a spiritual principle or a principle of the kingdom that has really no earthly parallel. Because the Christian life is like the wind. We're led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is like a wind. It moves and it uh, moves whithersoever it listeth here. And he's trying to understand that in his natural mind. But he, at least he does recognize this, that when the truth is actually taught and presented in the right way, then you have the opportunity for great miracles to happen among you. And so this is exactly what Brother Branham is saying right here. Just because we come together and we all sit in the same building and we all, uh, you know, are all sitting here dressed in our Sunday best doesn't mean that God's automatically going to do whatever we want him to do. And uh, we, we, we have to get out of the idea of thinking, well, we're entitled to blessings and we deserve blessings because we're the bride of Christ. Hey, you need to get in the spirit. You need to get in, the, in, the, in that atmosphere of the Holy Spirit and enter in yourself and let go of some of the stuff that we had to deal with this this week, and then you begin to watch what God does. Then you begin to hear, uh, hear from God and see what he has to show you. 
Is that all right? I'm not rebuking you. I'm encouraging you that uh, this works a certain way. It doesn't work automatically because your name is such and such and uh, you're sitting in this building versus that building. Let me tell you, it happens because uh, we're mindful of the Holy Spirit. And the singing and the worship and all of that, uh, paying our tithes, all of that is a part of that worship. And, and it, is, it is the way that we enter in. And it's not, it's not just going from one job to another like we do in our daily work, but, but it is moving on a higher plane. And that's actually what we're doing. It's not down here and we're going this way and this is something else that we do and we put this in our schedule and this in our schedule. That's not that. We come a little higher. We come a little higher. We sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and I think it's important for us to enter into that, put energy into that, and enter into that place, and then you watch what God does. Hey, don't worry. Soon enough, the world will drag you back down again. Right? This week has, uh, has surprises for every one of us. It has burdens for every one of us, and we'll come back down on that level, but today, let the Holy Spirit just lift you up into that place. Shake off your tiredness, shake off your weariness, and just say, Lord, I want to come up in that just for a moment here. I want to reach out and touch the kingdom of God, and I want the kingdom to reach out and touch me. And I want to make a step to you because the prophet said that when I make a step towards God, then I know God will make a step towards me. And that's how it, that's how it operates, folks. But we, we, are, we are in this. We all have skin in this game. And we all have to enter in. And I will tell you, it's, it's not enough for us to just, uh, you know, just show up and, uh, you know, have that kind of an attitude at all. It, it is rather, I, I'm, I'm expecting to hear from God. I want God to show me something. I want God to help me. I, I want God to bring me closer to the kingdom. I want all of those things to happen. And I believe they can if we'll uh, just present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And the only way you'll do that is under the blood and in the spirit, and you watch what God does. Hey, it's not for us to uh, reveal things to ourselves and understand everything ourselves and perform miracles ourselves. That's not up to us. God, God takes care of that. God does that. God's the revealer. Isn't that right? God's the miracle worker. You've got to get out of your indifference. You've got to get out of your attitude that, uh, you know, that says, well, you know, you should be happy I'm here. I got news for you. I am happy you're here. As I know you could be in a lot of other places. And it wasn't for God's grace, none of us would be here. And I'm thankful you're here. But I'd love to see some of you shake off that spirit of indifference and just enter in and say, Lord, I just humbly come to your cross. I'd rather that all of you were not literally sitting in the back, but you were in the back smoting your breast and saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, rather than coming to the front and say, well, I'm a message believer and I've been raised in this church and I believe that God's got his uh, obligation to bless me and I'm res uh, he's responsible for making me feel good today. I don't, I don't see that in the Bible at all. And Jesus said, which one do you think God, that God's more pleased with? He said, the man in the back who just smote his breast and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Good to have all of you here today, and I mean that with all my heart. Good to have the Knobloch's back. Good to have the Pascals here. Uh, good to have Sister Grace back. Good to have uh, all of you here today, and, and may God uh, be with you this morning. Now, <clears throat> let's just, uh, again now, just uh, a, a little along the same line, and then I want to switch here. In Hebrews chapter 12, uh, Paul writes to the believers, he said, Now follow peace with all men. And that word follow is not a passive thing, but it means in any way, whatever way, to uh, pursue and seek eagerly and earnestly acquire something. Like Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. 
And Paul says, follow peace with all men. You're, if, you're, if you're going to experience shalom, you're going to have to go after it. You're going to have to go after it. Brother Branham was in a church uh, and, and ministered this sermon. He said, Brother Williams, God ever be with you and your son in this great work, the missionaries and so forth. How I appreciate this. Never, never get away from it, friends. Don't never let that spirit of worship and that clean holiness die among you. But keep that light burning for it's a lifeline of the church. It's Christ in his church. Don't ever let that spirit of worship and that clean holiness die among you. Keep that light burning, because that's the lifeline of the church. Brother Manham said, now Christians, he said, I may never see you again, and may never see you again, but line up with God's word and look in the mirror. Line up with God's word and look in the mirror. Look in the perfect law of liberty uh, and look at yourself and say, Lord, line, make sure my, my heart, my soul, my actions are all aligned uh, with your word. And that's exactly what God wants you to do. In the second seal, Brother Branham said, now today when we look over our denominational churches, he said the Pentecostals, he said they've rejected it and they got lukewarm with it. God spewed them from his mouth and that's exactly according to the scriptures. You can't make the scriptures lie. They're going to be truthful always. Everybody say, always. always. The only thing, don't try to line scripture up to your thought, but line yourself up to the scripture. I love that. Don't try to line yourself uh, to Scripture up to your thought, but line yourself up with the Scripture. And he said, then you're running with God. No matter how much you have to cut or lay aside, line up with that. And don't try to line the Scripture to your thought, but align yourself up uh, with the Scripture. That's what the church does. And a glorious church, as we defined it, uh, it, it is, a, it is a, a, a place, but it is also, more importantly, a people. It is a people who come together uh, to be strengthened, to be trained, to be uh, fulfilling the, uh, the commission. And I believe that our revelation is great, so therefore our responsibility is great, and therefore our opposition is strong. Our revelation is great, our responsibility is therefore great, and consequently our opposition is strong. Would you agree? God's given us a great revelation. You've only lived in the last uh, of the Gentile ages. You've not lived in other ages. You didn't know what it was like to worship God, uh, believing a little portion of truth and having the rest of it to be corrected later, right? To believe in the Trinity. And they have, uh, you know, different ideas about what happened in the Garden of Eden and about eternal life and about, uh, you know, the end of the world. If, if you're living in another age, you wouldn't have the understanding you have of that. But in this last day, you have, you have a, a perfect word with divine vindication. We've, we've never known life without it. My mother always used to, when we were little kids and we were being raised, my mother would say, eat all, of our di eat all your dinner. Make sure you eat everything that's set before you. Now, you know, with boys, that's generally not a problem. Uh, but she would often use this phrase. She'd say, eat everything that you've got before you. Remember the starving children in Biafra. Remember that country in Africa, Biafra, Biafra? Some of you older folks remember that. It's not Biafra now. It's another name uh, of a country there. But she'd always say, remember the starving children in Biafra. And, and we would always look at her and say, hey, uh, sorry, Mom, we've never been to Biafra. And, and, and we, we were just being honest. And we wanted her to service the things we wanted to eat. But she... She, she, that was a very common thing back then. There was a famine uh, in, in parts of Africa, and, uh, you know, it was a, a terrible thing because they never had enough food to eat. 
And, and not that we were indifferent to that, not that we didn't care, but it's hard to relate. It's hard to relate to that if you've never experienced that, right? And, and for us, it's, it's, been, it's hard for us to relate to another age where you don't have the full truth because you've been born and raised under full truth. You've been born and raised with a perfect word. Come on, somebody say amen. You've never known anything but the open book. You've never known anything but the seals and the church ages and all of that revealed and the conclusions that a prophet brought in the last day. And all the mysteries he said tied together, all those loose ends tied together. We've never known anything but that. Thank God that we've had that. And we never had to struggle through uh, things that were not correct and not fully 100% biblical. We never had to live with that. God raised, has, has chosen to raise you in an age where everything uh, that we needed to know has been given to us and rapturing faith put in besides. And, and we have a great revelation. God's given us a great message and a great revelation. And therefore, our responsibility, what we do with that, is also great. We should say, Lord, make that great word work in my life. And Lord, make me, make me a great witness in this world that I live in. And help me to do what I can for people wherever I can, in whatever way. Because our revelation is great. Therefore, your responsibility is great. And then, consequently, our opposition is strong. Our opposition is strong. Satan is trying to do everything he can uh, to destroy and deceive in every way he can. And we'll come to that in a moment here. And uh, <clears throat> I, I think it's important for us to understand that he is standing. And this is Brother Brandon preaching at, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's standing and knocking, trying to get in to control you, to make you what you should be. God is actually trying to control you. There is a wrong kind of control but there is also the right kind of control that the Holy Spirit wants to exercise in your life. And he wants to make you what you should be. I say, Lord, have your way. Lord, control me. Anybody else feel that way? I, 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 man, I can, can't control my eating habits real good. I can't control my sleep patterns. I, I, there's a lot of things that I can't control. As a matter of fact, there are many things in our lives that if we let them slip a little bit, they'll spin out of control real fast. But concerning my spiritual life, I want him to control me. I want him to control my movements. I want him to control what I believe. I want him to control what I hear. I want him to control what, uh, you know, what my impulses should be versus what uh, the order of God is. I want to conform to the order of God. If I need a haircut, I, I say, Lord, convict me of that and, and uh, make sure that I, 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 I present myself in a, in, a pot, in a right way. If I need to dress better as a young girl or whatever else, Lord, convict me of that and, and, and have control. And unless you give God control, he's not going to have control you got to give him control. Lord, I, I want to control my finances better. I want to I be a better steward. Well, I'll tell you what. God knows how to do that, and he knows how to control you to get that done. you just got to let him do that. Lord, let me be a better wife. Let me be a better husband. Let me be a better uh, teenager. Let me be a better believer in, in every way. And Lord, let me be a better father or mother. Let me tell you, God knows how to do that. He knows how to do all of that. You just got to cede control over to him and just say, Lord, you've got the steering wheel now. Someone was telling me the other day that they were out in the West Coast somewhere and driving along the road. I don't know if it was somebody here was telling me and driving along the road and, and there was a, a, a driverless car next to them. And was that somebody here who was telling me that? Uh, somebody, maybe, maybe it was someone else. But someone was telling me they were driving, going along the road, you know, and come to a stop sign, and, and here's a driverless car. People are in the car, 
and uh, but there's uh, no driver. It, it's absolutely working on its own. You know what? You're, you know what? What's happening is that that car is under the control of somebody else. And man, you got to have a lot of trust to let somebody else control that car, right? Hey, wait for the day when they have pilotless planes. You'll see me around here a whole lot more. <laughs> Don't laugh. Because I'm over 30. If you're under 30, you're on your phone all the time. You don't know who's driving anyway, right? <laughs> should I not have said that? Yes, I should have said that. But you know what? Control is a big issue. And, and you are going to find out how big a, uh, an issue control is. But Brother Bram's clearly telling us that control, God wants to control you, make you what you should be, to take away the world from you and make you new creatures of his. That's why God has us where we are. Now, <clears throat> Brother Branham says, <clears throat> I, I, I thought this was just amazing. He, he's, he's telling this story, and I found this story early this morning when I got up. And uh, I, I was just, just reading down through it, and Brother Branham was asked to go to a, 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 an insane institution. That's what they called him back in that day. It was a mental hospital. And he goes into this place, and he said there's people in there. There's about 40 people in this common room, and he said it was just crazy. He said there was people doing all kinds of really strange things. And he goes in, and he sits down and talks to this lady who's there, and, and she's, got, uh, she's dressed normally and... and uh, Perfectly fine. And Brother Branham sits down next to her and says, well, where's the patient I'm supposed to be? Because he, he assumed that she was working there, that she was not a patient. And do you know where this woman is? And she says, well, Brother Branham, I'm that person. And Brother Branham's shocked at, at her. And he begins to talk to her. And he said, well, sister, he said, I, I, I just, I, I, this is not what I was expecting. He said, tell me your story. And she said, I, I'm, not, I'm not giving you the first part of the story now, so just bear with me here. He says, well, she said, I was just a teenage girl, and I had some friends that were out there in my school, and, and uh, she said, they, they enticed me just to smoke a little bit. And she said, from smoking, it went from smoking to drinking. And she said, I got involved, and she said, then I found I was really being pulled quickly into something. And then she said, I actually began to sell my body and became a prostitute. And she went down this, she was describing this path she went down, and it was terrible. And she said, I just ruined my life. And she said, I just have, have uh, realized that this has been a terrible thing. And she said, finally, uh, the court ordered me off the street and go to this good shepherd home that they used to have for, for people, girls like her. And she went. She said, I listened to the Bible teaching because very often those things are faith-based. And uh, she went in and listened to it. And she said, I, I thought that was really good. She said, I agreed with it. But I went, turned around, went right back out on the street when they let me go and fell back into the same thing. And then she said, I went out, uh, I was living out there, and uh, the court, I, I wound up back in court again, and she said, I wound up in two years in the women's jail. And she said they had services on a regular basis, and I would go. And she said, I'd listen to them talk, and it was really nice, and she said, I enjoyed it. And I agreed with it and vowed that I would live that way and got out of uh, prison and went out on the street and went right back to the same thing. 
And uh, then Brother Branham, uh, you know, he's listening to her and uh, she relates a couple of other instances like that where she's uh, uh, sincerely trying to get away from the, the problem that she has and uh, trying to live a normal lifestyle. She wants to be married, wants to have a family, all of the normal things that a young girl would want to have. And uh, Brother Branham's just listening to her and she t- describes these incidences where she's uh, tried to do that and vowed to do that and really want, intended to do that, intended to live a certain way. And she said, I just fall right back into it again. And uh, Brother Branham said to her, he said, well, sister, you need to understand, and you can go back and read it, but he said, you need to understand. He said, it's not you that's going to do this. It's not you that's going to accomplish this in your life. He said, there has to be something stronger in you than all of these influences that are out there. And he says, so I'll tell you what, why don't we just get down and pray? And, and he got down on his knees with her, and they just began to pray for a while. And, and all the while uh, they were doing that, she, she said, Brother Brandon, I've done this. I've been there. I've done all of this. I've raised my hands. I, I put my hands on the Bible, uh, all kinds of things that, that people told me to do. I did it. I did all of this. Brother Bram said, that's all right. He said, what you did in the past is all right. But he said, this is today. And he said, let's just do this together. And, he, and he, they both get down on their knees. And when they're, when they're doing that, Brother Bram said, now let's pray. She turned to him and said, I've done that too. I've, I've done it just like this. Brother Bram said, that's all right. That was in the past, but this is today. And he said, I believe God has sent me. And when she gets down, Brother Bram lays his hands on her and he begins to pray. And I got down praying with her and asked God to make that demon turn her loose. This is something now that they're moving into that they'd never experienced before. And he said, it's a spirit out there that would pull you into that. But there's a spirit in you that connects with that. That's what he tells her. A lot of times people think, well, it's just me. I don't have enough uh, uh, self-discipline or whatever else. But he said, no. He said, there's a spirit in you that calls for that. And there's a spirit out there that's calling for that. So he's, he's, on a, he's on a different level. You understand? I'm, I'm saying all of this is a preamble. This is not my sermon this morning. But it, it, he's, he's saying this is on another. We're looking at this now on another level. I had a young man who came, and I'm pausing for a second. I had a young man who came to me who was troubled with homosexuality badly. It had completely taken over his life. It had ruined his marriage. His wife left him, and it was just a terrible situation. And he told me, he said, I would walk down a busy street, like I'd be in Charlotte at one of these open malls or something. And he said, I would walk down through there, and he said, I could detect every one of the people who were like me. Everyone who was gay like me. Now it's pretty obvious, right? It's in your face now. It's a little bit different. But this is, I'm talking 20, 25 years ago. And uh, uh, then it was much more hidden. It was much more secretive. But he said, I could go down. And he was not professing to be a believer. But he came to me because he had the problem. And he said, I can go down in a crowd. And he said, these people don't look any, anything different than anybody else. But I can tell who's got that atmosphere of a gay person around them. He said, I can spot them a mile away. And he said, very often, he said, I'm right. When I, when I uh, talk to those people, he said, I'm right. And he said, you see them everywhere. And they have that spirit that follows them. And I'm only saying that to say that there's something out there that calls and there's something in a person that looks for that. 
And, and it's a very real thing. It's just not an imaginary thing. And I will tell you that more, you, you're, if, you're, if you're troubled with something or there's something there that keeps pulling you back, it's going to take more than just self-discipline to overcome that. It's going to take more than just determination. And it's going to take more than just sitting in church to overcome that. Now watch what Brother Branham says to this girl here. He said, I asked God to make that demon turn her loose. And when I did that and laid hands upon her, laid quiet there with her head down like this for a few minutes, directly she turned around and she looked at me and said, with those great big velvet eyes, Brother Branham, something's happened to me. And I said, now it's over. There isn't enough devils in the world could upset you right now if you'll just go on like you're going on now. And he said, that's been a little over a year ago. And the woman is married tonight, a lovely home, never drank from that time, had no desire to drink or smoke or anything. He said, what was it? It was no medicine she took, but by the supernatural divine power of the transformation of her soul through the power of Jesus Christ took her and took, her, took away all the desire and all the iniquity in her life. That's a higher level, folks. That's not psychology, and that's not just uh, being in the momentum of a movement or being a part of a, uh, you know, a growing church or something else. That's not that. That's an encounter with God. And she's not, they're not in a church. They're in a mental hospital where this is happening, and all of this stuff's around them there. But yet, in the middle of that, they get in the spirit of that, and the Holy Spirit comes in and delivers her from, from all of that, takes that iniquity away, takes all of that addiction away, takes all away that uh, desire for the things of the world takes it away, and she walks out of there a normal person. I say, I believe we serve that same God today. And, 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 if, and if that can happen in, an, in a mental hospital, how much more easily should it happen right here? If you're dealing with something, you have a problem here. Let me tell you, I believe the Holy Spirit's here, and you have enough amens around you here to, to, to allow you to end, step into that atmosphere and go a little bit higher to receive what you have need of. God is here to do that. God is here uh, to help you with that. And I would say this, folks, that I, I've used this expression many times that we're on the cusp or we're on the edge of a great change in reality. And uh, I borrowed that phrase from Jason Watkins. He made that uh, statement here several years ago, and I wrote it down on a little piece of paper, and I often re uh, re repeat that because I believe that uh, we are living on the edge of a, of, of a change that can happen very quickly. And you're going to need, and the reason I say that is that you're going to need more than just uh, sitting in a church. You're going to have to have uh, that connection with the Almighty God. You're going to have that connection with the supernatural divine power of the transformation of your soul through the power of Jesus Christ that takes away all of that, but also replaces that with rapturing faith and a kind of faith that will allow you to transcend the pull of this world. Did you get that? You Okay. <clears throat> because this was yesterday. And I, I've been right there. I've been on that street, and I, that's, that's in St. Peter's Square in Moscow. Uh, that is the place where the Kremlin is. That's where uh, Mr. Putin hangs out uh, and has his office there where Peter threw a snowball over the wall. Uh, that, this is that place. 
And I talked to believers yesterday because things were happening so fast yesterday. I was just, I was just uh, locked in. I was amazed at, at what was taking place. And I immediately contacted friends and brothers over in uh, that part of the world, in Russia, uh, in Ukraine. And I asked them, I said, tell me what it's like. And they said, one brother told me, he said, all of a sudden, he said today, just today, he said they have barriers everywhere. You're having to show your documents. Uh, if you're not part of the military or the government, you need to be home. Uh, and they were, they were locking people down. They were, they were uh, very much afraid of what was going to take place uh, if this insurrection really took momentum and took off. And for those of you that were not following the news, there was a great, uh, uh, there was a, uh, a kind of a, a militia rogue army that was created by Mr. Putin several years ago uh, to cause trouble in foreign lands. And those people, uh, in, for a number of different reasons, and it's a kind of a longer story, but a number of different reasons, uh, turned on the Russian government and they wanted to come to Moscow to try to uh, correct things and had 25,000 armed soldiers with lots of heavy-duty equipment uh, that was paid for by the Russian government and coming against Moscow. Now, you, you got to stop for a second and say, uh, it's one thing, it's one thing for, for there to be opposition, but to be armed opposition and heading towards Moscow in Russia... It just does not happen. It was an extraordinary thing. The commentators uh, today, are, it's all over the news and they're all talking about it, but there's one common thread in the whole thing, and that is this, that this probably spells the beginning of the end of the reign of Mr. Putin. And if that's the case, if that's the case, that means that there will be unfolding changes that take place over the next little while because their prediction is that he'll clamp down even harder on the Russian people and on anybody who disagrees. And you know that you can only do that so long. A dictator can only do that so long. Eventually the dictators topple and then the people will come back into power again. It happened in 1917 in Russia and uh, it, it, it definitely could happen again. And yesterday we're on the verge of that taking place in a bloody conflict. Okay, that's the news, and that's what you all can listen to, and you can find that out. Here's what makes it really interesting to us, because they are the world's largest possessor of nuclear weapons. They have the largest nuclear arsenal in the known world. And as a result of that, it's bad enough to have Mr. Putin in charge of that largest arsenal in the world. What about if we get a bunch of radicals in there? What about if we get people who are more violent than him in there. Brother Aaron sent me a, 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 a little article this week, and I just haven't time to repost everything that I've received, but you know, there's a lot of people who are in the Russian government because they're, so, they're such a godless people, uh, the, the nominal people over there. Uh, they drink a lot. They drink a lot more since the Ukraine war has taken place. And Brother Branham categorically says that one day he says somebody who will have drunk too much vodka he said, and have their finger on that button. He said, we'll eventually push it. And so we're, we're, uh, all I'm telling you is that we're living in a time where we're on the cusp of a shift in reality, which can happen in a very short period of time. And this is a real thing. This is, this is something that uh, is happening around us. It's unfolding around us. And I will tell you, you really don't know what tomorrow holds. Now, I'm going to ask you to look at two scriptures here, and one of them is in Revelation chapter 9. And if you don't mind turning there, because I want you to look at it. 
Romans chapter nine, or sorry, Revelation chapter nine. <clears throat> now we don't have time to really dig into all of the all of the meaning of Revelation chapter nine, but I want to give you just a little bit, and then we're going to come back to it. Revelation chapter nine, and the fifth angel sounded. And I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and him that was given the key to the bottomless pit. This is referred to as the fifth trumpet. It's described all the way down to verse 12. One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. Now remember, the book of Revelation is not written chronologically, so everything doesn't always happen in strict order. Because right after this, we have Revelation chapter 10, right? which is the ministry of the seventh angel and Christ's coming. But I want you to notice now, so some of these things actually overlap, and some of them don't happen in chronological order. But I want you to focus your attention on verse 13. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed. These have been bound in that river, spiritually speaking, for about 2,000 years, 1,900 years. And he said, loose them, and the four angels were loosed, verse 15, and the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour, a day, a month, a year, and to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000, and I heard the number of them. Now, in verse 15, when it talks about a third part of men, it actually is referring to Jews who were in Europe prior to World War II who were summoned to go back to Israel. Many of them failed to go, and a third of Jews outside of Israel perished during that season. So what we're looking at here is spirits. But we're not just talking about a casual event. These are very powerful and diabolical spirits because these spirits were loosed in the days of Stalin and loosed in the days of Hitler. And here's Brother Branham in the Feast of the Trumpets and he says that when Hitler and them persecuted the Jews, they did things that uh, they did under Hitler, Stalin and Hitler and all those dictators that rose up. And he said it was a bitter persecution that went through the land. And he said, instruct those Jews. Now, Brother Branham comes along afterwards and tells us, and I'm just I'm wanting you to think just for a few minutes here. Brother Branham said all of that, all of this whole thing, was the tender hand of Jehovah moving the Jews back to the tree of life. But it's incredible how it happened. And I will say to you that there was nobody on the earth <coughs> who recognized what this actually, what, what's, what's actually happening here? Why is this happening here? And it's because there are 200,000 demons that are loosed who were bound for almost 1,900 years and now loosed into the world. And they immediately focus on the Jews and a third of them die in, in the most horrible of ways. And uh, I, I, I was friends with Brother Rodney Vanoy. Uh, who lived out in Montana, pastor out there. And Brother Vanoy uh, was part of the liberating U.S. Army who came through uh, Germany and opened the gates of the uh, concentration camps. And uh, 
Brother Rodney told me, we were on a plane, we actually come back from Israel, and Brother Rodney told me, he said, uh, he told me in great detail, and he said, we would come along, and he said, we had big, great big bolt cutters, and we would cut the locks off these doors in the camps, great big doors, and they'd swing them open, and they would go in. And when they go in, he said, they were so horrified at what they saw. He said, it was just like the living dead. He said, that's exactly what it was like, living dead people. And he said they were emaciated, they couldn't talk, they were uh, covered in fleas and lice and bugs and everything else. He said they were crawling all over the people. And he said they realized pretty soon we can't go near them because they had all kinds of diseases and they had, uh, you know, sores on their bodies and everything else. I mean, the way he described it was just unbelievable. And then he said... We took our K-rations. He said, I had a bar, like a Mars bar. And he said, I took the bar out, and I tossed it to one of them. And he said, three or four of them leaped over to grab the bar because they recognized it as food. And they all, when they grabbed it, they fell over because they were so weak. They had the bar in the hand. It was too heavy, and they all fell over on the ground. And they scrambled like animals to open it up and eat it and just ate the whole thing right, right in front of them. He said it became so terrible for them. He said that when we went on to other camps, we would just... Uh, take the bolt cutters, cut the bolts off, and oh, swing the doors open, and they would yell in there in several languages and say, you're free now. The Germans are gone. You're free. You can leave the camp. And they wouldn't even go in because it was so horrifying and so terrible. And, there was, and, and, and the reason that existed was because these spirits that did these things to the people <clears throat> came from somewhere, and they came from this uh, place of bondage they were in, in the river Euphrates here, uh, spiritually speaking, and they're held back, and now all of a sudden they're loose. God allows that uh, time to come, and they're loose, and they come out in the world. <clears throat> and the Bible goes on to say in just a few verses here, he says in verse 17, And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire and jacinth and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as heads of lions. And out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. And by these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. And he describes all of this, for their power is in their mouth. Their power is in their mouth. Think about that now. Because what comes out of our mouth is, is words, isn't it? We express ourselves very often through our mouth. And he said, and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents, and they had heads with them, and they do hurt. I remember talking to brothers when I was in Poland ministering over there years ago. I talked to an older man. And I, we were talking about what it was like to grow up in Poland. And he said, I remember. He said, I remember well those days as a little boy. And he said, every morning my mother would give me a stick. And I would go out, he said, and, and I would walk through our potato patch. And every morning my job was to knock the dust, uh, the ash, off those potato plants to let them grow. And he said, down the road there was a big factory down there. And he said, we, we all kind of guessed what that factory was, but nobody ever asked. Nobody ever asked the question. Nobody did. And he said, we saw every day the big smokestacks sticking up in the sky and the gray smoke and the ash coming out day after day after day. It came out, and in the mornings, our plants would be so covered up, I'd have to take my stick and knock the plants off. And these were the ashes of the Jewish people who were being burned in those smokestacks and he's in those ovens. And he said, every morning. And, and I said, you, you didn't ask? You didn't, you didn't say anything? He said, we said nothing. Because the whole country was gripped in fear. 
He said it wasn't just Auschwitz and it wasn't just Birkenau. He said, but it was all these different camps that were around. And the people in the country knew that there was things that were taking place. They knew that there were uh, trainloads of people coming in, prisoners coming in, day and night, day after day. And he said, we knew it. But nobody asked. Because if you were, if you were inquiring, he said, they'd take you and take you off to jail and nobody would ever see you again. He said, they'd come at night and take you off and nobody would ever see you again. And he said, we lived in that horror until the war stopped. And he said, when I asked him about growing up in Poland, that's the first thing he talked about because it's still there. It had such an impact on him. And these things are real. Why did it happen? It happened because their spirits were loosed and came out of the Euphrates. And they immediately went to the Jews and fulfilled the purpose that God had and brought them back to Israel. And they were all driven back there, even though they were warned uh, methodically prior to that time. And now here's John describing under this sixth trumpet, these, all these spirits come out. Now, I have one question for you. I just have one that I want to leave with you today. When those spirits are loose and did what they did, where did they go? Or let me ask it another way. Are those spirits still here? Brother Branham asked that question. He says, and where are they now? He said, those spirits, he said, are loosed against the bride. But the law still holds them back. So there's still a barrier that prevents certain things from taking place. But I will tell you, I will tell you, I've traveled a lot. And I've seen the conditions in places like Ukraine and in Russia and in places where dictators were. I traveled through Iran and Iraq uh, in my early days. And I, I can tell you what it's like, what those people say living under a dictator and living, uh, you know, with, with people who are anointed with a spirit to control like that. It isn't like it is here. I will tell you, it isn't like it is here. Those spirits are still very much alive in this earth. And as far as, you know, you're looking and saying, well, at least they're not here. You have a system, a legal system that holds things back at the moment. And I will tell you, saints of God, for sure, what you don't want to have happen is to just assume that because I'm a member of HBT or I go to the conventions or I do this or I do something else, that I'm okay. It's going to take a little bit more than that. You know what? You're going to have to come on a higher plane you're going to have to come up to a level with God that's going to help you not only to overcome this world, but to stay focused in this world on the things God wants you to stay focused on. Because if, if, you, if you're not careful, you can be looking at the news and you can be looking at the internet and you can be looking at what everybody else is doing and what everybody else is saying and how they're interpreting things that are taking place in the news and how, they're, how the government's saying things. And, and uh, you, I mean, there's all kinds of things we know and I'm not a conspiracist at all, but I will tell you that there's a lot of things and, and I, I know people who've worked in the government and they say a lot of these things are already happening and we don't know about them and then when we hear about them, we only hear certain portions of it and all the rest of it. A lot of that is done to protect the people. Hey, listen, don't get mad. Brother Branham said that prophets don't tell their people everything either. Prophets are given things to give to the people, but prophets seem to know things that never get told out in public. It's, it's like they die with that knowledge that God is telling them, hey, you can say this to the people and this to the people, but you know what? This is what's really happening. This is what's really going on. So sometimes what we don't even know can be as frightening as what we do know. And I'm not trying to frighten anybody here today. I think I've done a good job of that. But I, that's, that's not my intent. 
But I, I want to just leave you with this, and this, all I want to do is get you thinking this way, because I have a word for you here in just a moment. Brother Bram said, now, this is a part of, now he's in 1964 here, and he's explaining this, because he thought that seven trumpets sounding to Israel was going to be a repeat of the seven seals of the Gentiles. He thought, oh, we're going to do this, take one, one trumpet, next night we'll take another one, next night we'll take another one. That's what he thought in his mind. But then when he's going to do that, they even had the meeting scheduled, had the posters printed, and they had the church all arranged, you know, for seven nights of meetings. We're going to do the seven uh, trumpet sounding. And just before he goes to start that, God tells him, he says, no, no, he says, these are not for the Gentiles at all, these are for the Jews. And, and all of a sudden, his, his understanding is turned right around, and he says, wow. He says, these, some of these things have actually been happening in parallel or in sequence with the seals. And God's took in his thinking and turned it all the way around. And so he does this one service on these trumpets, and he's explaining to us about these demons that come out and how uh, Israel's called back into her land and uh, the Jubilee and all of these different things and how they wind up uh, recognizing their Messiah. And he does all of that in one service, about an hour and a half. Pretty amazing. Well, let me give you two paragraphs out of that meeting, all right? He says now, now and I don't want to limit him in saying this, but he obviously explains this in lots of other sermons. But in Feast of the Trumpets, and if you haven't read it for a while, take it out, blow the dust off it, and, and give it a read. It's just fascinating, all the different things in there that he talks about in terms of prophecy. And when I say this, I'm, I'm not saying this, you need to know what happened back there and so forth. A lot of this stuff winds up being very pertinent for the day we're living in. It's things that are coming to pass. Just like the person who I mentioned was over in Los Angeles or on the West Coast and, and sitting next to a driverless car. Whether we realize it or not, you're living in the, in the word fulfilled for this hour. And a lot of people would look at it and say, oh, wow, that guy's a nut for sitting in that car. Hey, besides that, you look at that and that's the word fulfilled. That's prophecy come to pass, right? And that's how we look at things. But Brother Branham said, seven things he showed me in 1933 would come to pass. Five of them's already happened. And Lee Vale's writing the church age book. And he said, it had happened just before the coming of the Lord. And here we are right at the end now. And it looks like the sixth thing is moving right up perfectly. Exactly. Even the wars and when they would happen and exactly on the dot. And he says, and not one time did they miss. So in other words, here's Brother Branham. God told him seven things. He's watching them one by one come to pass. There it is, there it is, there it is. And he said, now he loosed under the sixth seal those 200,000 spiritual demons started in Rome back in, in the early church. Pagan Rome back there. They were not a bunch of Christians back in the days of Caesar, folks. Right? Started back there. And he says, then down, and they're bound up, but then they're released under Germany and Hitler. And he says, they received power as kings, but they weren't crowned. So they weren't true nobility. They were not true kings. A dictator is not a crowned king, but receives power as a king, but knew nothing of the spirit. Let me tell you, we're living in a day, for instance, like Mr. Putin over there, he has seized power. He never got it. He never got it fairly, and I'll tell you the story another time, as I was there in one of the elections that took place. If you kill all the opposition members, you know what? You can say, hey, I was freely elected. 
Well, you're freely elected over the bodies of the people who opposed you and wanted to run also, you know. And seize power as a king. And we're living in a day when there are people on the earth who are anointed with this same spirit that I'm talking about out of Revelation chapter 9. They're the spirits that came out of the river. And who knew nothing of the Spirit. In other words, they're not following the Bible pattern. They're not following the Bible at all. And he says, there's your mysteries that were hid underneath the seal there. And he said, now the hour that we're living in, the ecclesiasticals, the spirits uniting them together and bringing them all together in this big slaughter. And he's talking about the World Council of the Churches now, the ecumenical movement, talking about all of that. And a lot of their boundaries have been dropped. A lot of their distinctiveness has been dropped uh, in religious circles. Now they come together much more freely. Uh, they have common themes like global warming and loving one another and ending this war and uh, you know global famine or whatever else. And they have causes now that cause them to come together uh, much more freely than they did back then. And so he said, that spirit, he said, that's uniting them together. In other words, there's people actually in that religious realm moving those leaders together and saying, oh, you know, I know we're different than those people, but it'll be all right. We'll just come together. We'll still be Baptists or we'll still be uh, ecumenicals or whatever else, but we'll come together and we'll just talk together and love one another. After all, that's words in red, right? Jesus said we should love one another. And you know what? That's not the Holy Spirit leading them, but it's a spirit leading them and pulling them together. And I will tell you, if we had more time, they're all in bed together financially. And the financial ties between many of these religious systems is a very powerful thing. And I, I, I can prove that to you. But he said, now, it's already in writing here in this nation now that these nations or these churches has to be closed unless you're uh, with the organization. It's a union, a boycott, just like the mark of the beast. And uh, that's true. And he says, and now you see what the beast is, don't you? It's a power. It's an ecclesiastical power. And it'd be so close, it would deceive the very elect if possible. But, but, follow me here, he promised, God promised in this last hour, when all of that begins to manifest itself, when all of that comes to pass, he said he promised to have something here for us in that day that we would not be deceived, and that's the word, and Christ to make it manifest to us. Amen. Glory to God. You ought to say thank you, Jesus. I'm thankful that we have the word of the hour. I'm thankful that we have the message of the hour. But that's not enough. You need to have the message, but you need to have Christ to make it real to you. You need to have more than just uh, the emotion and just a feeling and just uh, the crowd. You need to have more than that. You've got to have the Word and Christ that come together and quicken that and make it alive to you so you can arise above whatever comes into this world. Because we sit in peace today only because the law holds things back. All we need, all we need is a change. In leadership. All we need is a change in systems. And yesterday, just like 9-11 proved, the world you go to sleep in can be very different than the world you woke up in. Right? It doesn't take months and years anymore. It, it can happen in a matter of hours and all of a sudden, everything has changed. Things are different here. And, you know, uh, how we, how we, everything about our lives has changed. After 9-11, everything about our lives changed, whether you realize it or not. And, and in our world, like yesterday, when they were marching on Moscow, and I was thinking to myself, wow, marching on Moscow. 
in the middle of a, a, a time when Mr. Putin was, was saying, hey, we're strong, we're defending ourselves against Ukraine and all the rest of it, and all this propaganda is going out there, and there are people in the streets cheering and clapping uh, the Wagner soldiers who are going up towards Moscow to, to take it all down. And, and, and whoever, whoever is sitting on top of the pile there has their finger on the largest collection of nuclear capability in the entire planet. You better be careful in Russia who you clap for. And I'm not saying that one's any better than the other. I'm saying this, that it's not in their hands to fulfill. It's in God's hands, and according to God's time clock, is it all going to be fulfilled? But realize, we're also under God's time clock, and we are the people, we are the object of his affection in this hour. And so therefore, you need to be in sync with God and moving with God and not worrying about so much about, uh, you know, the, the attainments of this world and the busyness of the sports and things and things that don't matter. What matters is that you're making sure your heart is in tune with God and walking with him. That sounds so simple, and we've said it, preachers have said it, you know, since, uh, since time began, and the message rolled, rolled in front of our door. But I'll tell you what, it's going to matter because all of this is actually going to come to pass. All of it will come to pass. So your job is to do this. Are you ready? I'm going to close with this. This is the Shema. And this is what Jews read every day. I read it to you in our text. It's what they read every day. They get up in the morning and they say this first. This is my statement that the Lord is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all of thy ma'ud. That's the Hebrew word. There's, there's, there's only one place in all of the Bible where that word might is used for this Hebrew word. It does not mean muscles. It does not mean flexing, having the ability to lift, pull, or sh shove something. It doesn't mean, it has nothing to do with physical strength. As a matter of fact, if you took the word ma'ud and you tracked it through the Bible, it literally means very, much. That's what it means. It is a multiplier. So if we said that Brother Sean over here is a suave, charismatic, debonair, independently wealthy guy, and he was really wealthy, we'd say he's Maud wealthy. He's very wealthy. And we say that Brother Bill's a good truck driver and uh, travels on the highways, and by God's grace, travels miles and miles and miles without incident, we'd say he's not just a driver, he's a Maud driver. He's very good. The Bible says that when God made the earth in seven days, every day he, he made something and he said, this is good, didn't he? But on the seventh day, when he rested, he said, this is ma'ud good. This is really good. Now, if you want to emphasize something in the Bible as being, whoa, really good, you'd say it like this, that something is ma'ud ma'ud. I'm not making it up. So when Jacob left Laban, he had all kinds of sheep and oxen and goats. Remember that? Remember he had accumulated all that over the years? So he wasn't just rich. He was ma'ud, ma'ud rich. That's what he was. So there's all kinds of examples in the Bible uh, that, that use this word ma'ud, but it really just means much or very, exceedingly. 
Something is exceedingly great to a great degree. And muchness is not an English word proper, but if you want to add real emphasis there, like on the bottom line, you would say, with muchness, muchness. Or ma'ud, ma'ud. Sometimes you should try to tell your children that. If they've had a really good day and done everything well, you say, I, I think you're ma'ud, ma'ud good. And it might change the ma'ud in your house. <laughs> if your boss gives you a raise, you should say, hey, <laughs> I really appreciate a ma'ud, ma'ud. And uh, it's funny, but I think you get the point. God told Israel, every day when you get up, say this. That's what he told them, say this. The Lord your God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord with all of thine heart, and with all of thy soul, and with all thy ma'ud. Your ma'ud is every capacity, every opportunity, every day, every effort, I put forth every instance in my life that I can talk to somebody. Every time I go to church. Every, with everything, I want to do it. Ma'ud. I want to do it. Ma'ud, ma'ud. I want to do it exceedingly great. If, I, if I'm going to be a believer, I'm going to be a ma'ud believer. If I'm going to live the life of a believer, I'm going to be a ma'ud, ma'ud believer. That's what, I, that's what I am. And that's what he's saying right here, that God is not saying you need to independently go out and vanquish the armies of the enemy, or you need to go out and take down dictators in your life, or you need to go out and uh, straighten the world out so the government makes sensible decisions. He's not saying that. He just says, first of all, you get up in the morning and say, I believe, God, you are one. And I believe that I am going to love you today with all of my heart and with all of my soul and with every opportunity I have, and with every breath I breathe, and with every service I go to, and with every day at work, and with every day at school, I'm going to do it, ma'ud, ma'ud, with all of my heart and all of my soul. It's not restricted to any one thing. It applies to everything. If I'm going to travel, I'm going to travel as a Christian. If I'm going to, uh, you know, be in a visit a foreign country, I'm going to be a representative of the kingdom there, and I'm going to be a good representative of the kingdom there. I'm going to be a ma'ud believer. That's what he's saying. And I believe when you get in that kind of an attitude and that kind of a spirit, you know what? God will honor that kind of an attitude. God will Here's a man that loves me with all of his mood. He loves me with everything that he has. Oh. So the New Testament writers in Greek, they had to deal with this mood. And they came up, as they were translating from the Hebrew, they came up with a word that we never heard about until Brother Branham comes along and says... That you can have a car with all the mechanics in it and all the gas and the seats and the spark plugs and everything else, but it ain't going to be no good until you got gas in it. And then you need to have a spark. And he referred to that spark as what? The dunamis. 
In Greek, it's pronounced dunamis. And you don't, you don't get anywhere, even though you got a nice car, you don't get anywhere until you have the dunamis. I will tell you something, saints of God. You can be as sincere as you want, and we can have as nice a church as we want, and we can put out as many chairs as we want, but we're not really doing anything that counts unless we have the dunamis in our midst. And I say this, and you can be sitting under my ministry and every other ministry in this hour. It doesn't matter how great the preacher is, and you can be sitting under that, and you can be hearing and intellectually processing things, and you can be in a good family, and mom and dad are born again and love the Lord, and they're willing to make sacrifices to come to church and to bring you to church. But I'll tell you what, you're not going to get anywhere with God until you experience a real dunamis, a spark in your life that connects you with the Almighty. You want God to look down and say, Maud, that's my daughter. That's my Maud daughter right there. You want God to look and say, Ah, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power. I got a question for you. Where did that power go? Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Forever and ever. Where did that power go? If I understand message terminology right, all that God was, he poured into Christ. Therefore, he could say he had all power. Where did it go after that? All that Christ was? Come on, say it. Poured into the church. When did it happen? I'll tell you where it happened right here. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Somebody say, glory to God, thank you, Jesus. I'm glad for that power. Here's what Brother Bram said in 1965. You ready? I'm going to quit. We, shall, we should realize. We should realize. Who's he talking to? Us. Say it again. Us. Say it one more time. Us. Sounds good. We should realize that in us, we who believe Jesus Christ, born of his spirit, filled with the quickening power, we should realize that power that's in you. We should realize that that power is not non-existent. We should realize that that power didn't go away when Brother Brown died. Hello? You know where that power is? Where? In us. Why should we be held hostage by the devil then when we have the power that's needed? to deal with the forces that are in this earth. Because if I understand Bible terminology, right, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen. You can take it how you want, but I mean, I'm, I'm saying what the tapes say here. We should realize in us, those who believe Jesus Christ, are born of his spirit, filled with a quickening power. How many people we got like that? You fall into one of those three categories or all of them. That power that's in you, by laying on of hands like the disciples did, and down through the age, it absolutely healed the sick, raised the dead, visions, prophecies, Last line, read the last line with me. Very same spirit that lived among the early apostles is living in the big churches today. Oh, no, it doesn't say that. Accompanied Brother Branham. No, it doesn't say that either. That very same spirit is with the preachers today is living in the church today working the same thing. Feel good? That'd make you feel good. 
Does it make it feel better? <clears throat> you remember in the Old Testament, Elijah, Elisha died. And when he died, they put him in a sepulcher. <laughs> and uh, they put him in the sepulcher, wrapped him up like normal, and put him in there and uh, left him. Years later, the Jewish people are routing an enemy kingdom. Sean, come on up here. They're routing an enemy kingdom. And when they do, they have one of their own soldiers who's died. And they say, we, naturally, the Jews want to give a proper burial. They normally do it within 24 hours. And they, they, they have a proper burial uh, for their, uh, for their uh, fallen. And so they said, we got this guy. You take his arms, I'll take his feet. They got this guy like a sack of potatoes. He's dead. Okay? He's dead. But Sean and I are looking at the battle raging out there, and we got to get going. <laughs> we got to get going. So they say, hey, Hotep, roll that stone away from the cave. It's a, it's a burial chamber. We know, but we're putting the dead in there. So roll that chamber away. So he gets up on his feet. Hello? Roll the, cham roll the stone away from the chamber. Good job. Okay, you can sit down. They don't want to exert you too much there. They say, okay, let's throw them in. And they go off to fight the battle. Thanks, Sean. You can sit down. They go off to fight the battle, right? And they're, yeah. Come back a couple of days later. They look in the same burial chamber. Where is he? Where's the guy we threw in there? Sean, where's the guy? I'm texting Sean. Where's the guy we threw in there? Did you get him? No, I didn't get him. Where is he? You know what happened to him? He landed on the bones of Elisha. And there was still enough maud. There was still enough left around in Elisha, even after he was dead, that it brought him to life and quickened him right back on his feet again. And he said, hey, hey, I'm in a tomb. Look out. And he rolls a stone back, goes out, rolls a stone back in. And he says, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. And goes, finds the battle. Brother Bram said, you'll never keep us in the grave. That's the, I just gave you the background of the quote. They may lay rocks over you and bury you in the sea, but the transforming power of God... Oh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. He's quoting here, 2 Thessalonians. I would not have you ignorant, brethren. The transforming power of God has taken out, us out of the chaos of science. You know what that is? That's the internet. Because that's where a lot of chaos comes from, doesn't it? Should I not have said that? Yes, I should have said that. Because that's where a lot of confusion comes from. The chaos of science, education, things of the world, understanding of this modern day has transformed us now in the sons and daughters of God. The transforming power has actually transformed us out of all that chaos and all of that intellectualism and all of that government and everything else and has transformed us now in the sons and daughters of God. I can stand here today categorically and tell you I think differently than the world. 
I think differently about global warming than the rest of the world. I think differently about how the end is going to come. I think differently about that than the rest of the world does. They don't want to hear what I have to say, but I think differently because God's trained me to think differently, and the power of transformation is expressing itself on the inside out. And even death, I mean, we have a different attitude about death because when somebody among us dies, when a believer dies, we know exactly where they are. And we're not sitting around and saying, morning, I hope he gets into heaven, I hope he gets into heaven. Hey, listen, that's not how we look at it. We sorrow not as others which have no hope. But we believe we'll see him again. We believe we know exactly where they are. We believe, we had a pro- we believe that a man uh, uh, in our life, in our uh, generations, actually left this earth, went to there, came back and said, whatever you do, don't be afraid of going over there. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Trouble is you're looking at the last earthly stage before they leave this earth. And if they leave this earth with cancer, like my parents did, or they leave earth, uh, you know, through an accident or something else, we look at this mess that they leave in. We think, oh, wow, they're, you know, they're a mess. That's how the world thinks. That, you know, it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. Hey, listen, that was just a vector. That was just a means whereby they went from this world to that world. And I said last week that Brother Branham said, death is only like a buggy that he uses to drag people into the presence of God with. And that's all that it is. We sorrow not as others which have no hope because I got something in me that will not even hold me down after I physically die. Am I afraid of nuclear, the biggest nuclear stockpile in the world? Nope. Am I afraid of what, uh, some dictator going to rise in another part of the world? Nope. Because you know what? I know I'm not going to go until someone higher than that dictator decides when I'm going to go. So nobody in North Korea is going to determine my destiny. Nobody in Iran or Iraq is going to determine my destiny. And nobody in Russia is going to determine my destiny. I believe I serve a God who already knows my number. He knows what day I'm going to leave this earth. And he gave me something that will help me rise above the thinking of this world. So that I do not need to fear anything that comes upon us. And you know what? Jesus said in John chapter 3, he said, The Father seeks such to worship him, that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Let's stand to our feet. That's what God's after. People who are willing to get in the spirit. They're willing to say, oh, yeah, praise God. Uh, we love this. We, we believe you, Lord. We trust you. We, we worship you. We, we, our every, our every uh, activity, Lord, we want to be filled with, we want to express the ma'ud of God. Lord, you were strong. Make me strong. Lord, you're all-powerful. Lord, let the power of God be exercised in the church. If you've got a sickness, if you've got a demon, if you've got an addiction, you've got something in your life that you can't get rid of, let me tell you, I believe that the church ought to wake up and realize that we do not need to be held hostage to any demon or any power or any influence in this world. When a person wants to get shed of that, I believe all God was, he poured into the church. And Brother Bram comes right along in the last days of his ministry and reiterates that. That's where that power is. It came on the day of Pentecost, and he said it's still in the church here. Not even death itself can hold you. Ah, (laughs) I'll tell you what, I think we should sing. This old world will never hold me. In a moment, I'll be gone. And is that in the key of F? I think that it is. Is that in the key of F? This old world will never hold me. In a moment, I'll be gone. Sing it together now. Do you feel like singing this morning? All right, let's sing it together. This old world will never hold me.
I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I will fly away. Oh, yes, I'll fly away. Oh, glory. I'll fly away. I'll not die. I shall not be I shall not be moved I shall not be I shall not be moved Just like a tree That's planted by the waters I shall not be moved Oh, I shall my Savior I shall not be moved In His love and favor Trust him ever, I shall not be moved. He will fail me never, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Goodbye, world. 
to do that is here. Lord, it'll take your timing, your release. Lord, we also know that the demons that will bring people in the tribulation are also here. It's just a release that they wait for. And then this earth will be dropped into darkness like it has never seen. I pray it help us to be ready, Lord. I pray that everyone leaves here today, Lord, with a real sense of confidence in that anchor it's going to hold no matter what the storm looks like no matter how wild it rages that storm's going to hold Lord bless every family's represented here Lord every young person Father may they realize that they'll never ever ever be able to stay strong they'll never be able to stand strong unless their anchor is cast beyond the veil we commit our lives, our needs to you, Lord. We commit our everything to you, Lord. And like the Shema instructed the, the Jews to do, to love you with all of our heart and our soul and our might. Every opportunity, every instance, Lord, every breath, every action, every place we go, everything we represent, everything we do, Lord. That we would represent the kingdom and eternal life. Bless those who are not here today, Lord, those that are sick and needy, need your touch, Lord. They might be here in the building today and reaching out to you now. 
Father, we commit them into your care. Go with us, Lord, I pray. Bless our fellowship today. and We entrust ourselves into your care with great confidence, Lord, knowing that you care for us. We ask it all in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Sister Trish Nangamaza is due June 28th. That's three days away. So if you don't mind remembering her in prayer, and uh, Lord willing, Mother might be coming over from Zimbabwe, right? That's still in the works. And uh, so uh, a lot happening in the Nangamaza house here. And we just uh, would ask you to just keep that in mind and keep it in your prayers. Uh, today at 5 o'clock, my wife and I, we fly to Newfoundland. Uh, they already got the submarine taken care of, but uh, we'll be going up anyway and visiting there with my family for a week. Lord willing, be back here on uh, Sunday again next week. So uh, if you don't mind, remember us in prayers. We travel today. May God bless you. Uh, remember, God's got it all under control. You just need to be under his control. That's all. That's all. Just be under his control. God's got it under control. Amen. God bless you as you go this morning. Something keeps holding me Every day I see Helping me Thank you.